Hospitality Media presents the Mike and Mo Show. Now here are your hosts, Mike Calandrillo and Maurice Moten. Welcome one and all, episode 13. It's lucky for us, we're not worried about any jinx. Mike and Mo Show, I'm Mike Calandrillo. My man all the way in Brooklyn is Maurice Moten. And we have got, as I always say, a fantastic show in store. We are going to start with talking about the two games in the NBA playoffs that hopefully, hopefully end real soon and we'll be moving on to the conference finals. We'll also be talking a couple of coaching moves in the NBA, one that I might have predicted a couple episodes ago. Uh, we'll talk about Dwight Howard, what's going on with the Raiders and Chargers. We'll talk about Max Scherzer's 20 strikeouts in a game. Bryce Harper, another Major League Baseball player that's been busted for PEDs, and a couple of crazy things just going on the Mets. And we'll even introduce a new segment thrown into an old old segment, but we'll we'll give you some more info on that. So let's start the show. Mo, let's talk about the game that is tonight, and by tonight I mean Thursday night. Let's talk about OKC, San Antonio, where are we going? Well, first of all, I want to say, speak for yourself on that unlucky number 13. I'm a little nervous because I <laughs> predicted the Spurs to win the series in seven, and I'm a tad bit nervous, even though I did predict in the last podcast episode that people will say, oh, the Spurs are looking old, they're done, and then people are going to give up on them, and lo and behold, people are giving up on the Spurs, mm-hmm. with the OKC Thunder saying, oh, the tide is finally turning in the West, finally Westbrook and Durant have turned it, and they're now the number two team behind the Warriors, not the Spurs. Eh, eh, not so fast, people. I think the Spurs still come away with the win tonight on the road. Mm. Yes, people have thrown out the record that Popovic is 2-10 when facing elimination. I say this, the Spurs were 67-15 and this year. I believe that's the best record in their franchise history. They're not bowing out that easy. I, I still think it goes 7, and I still have the Spurs. I'm sticking to my prediction. You're a brave, brave man, because I think everybody in the media world right now is picking OKC. And I get it, too, rightfully so. I mean, it really seems that this this San Antonio team is kind of on their last leg. And it's easy to say that now, and then if they win the next two games, everybody will say, oh, this is the San Antonio that we all expected. But you can just tell from looking at Tim Duncan, the greatest power forward of all time, that that's this is it. He's, he doesn't have anything left in the tank. Uh, Tony Parker, he's not the Tony Parker we know. He only averaged close to 12 points uh, you know, a game during the season, and, and he doesn't have a, a lot left. Yes, he can still run the floor. He's got plenty of guys on that team that he can concede to, but he just can't do it by himself. Manu Ginobili, same goes for him. He's pretty much done. So you look at this team, and, and as great of a regular season as they had, you've, you've got to say now, like, how? What exactly? How did they get to, get to this point? point and it's and it's because of Kawhi Leonard and it's because of LaMarcus Aldridge and Kawhi is still doing his thing he's, he's got to be one of the top five players in in the in the Western Conference if not all of the NBA but LaMarcus Aldridge after having a, a fantastic game one and two has has completely stopped scoring he stopped pretty much doing everything and that's why San Antonio is where they are so they got to get something out of LaMarcus. You're putting a lot of pressure, a ton of pressure on the defensive player of the year in Kawhi Leonard. And it's just, it just looks like it's too much. It looks like this, this Oklahoma City team is finally putting it together and they're just too athletic. I mean, I'm amazed. I, again, I don't know, I don't know how much longer this pairing of Westbrook and Durant's going to work, but right now, this is it. This is, this is what it should have been since 
since these two got in the league when they went and played the Heat in the finals a couple years ago. It's just it's fun to watch. It's a lot. It's it's a lot of fun. And and anybody that you know isn't looking forward to an Oklahoma possibly playing Golden State series is crazy because that would just be a, a track meet all day long. Well, you know, I know. So you're you're part of the media group that's burying the Spurs. Am I correct? I don't know if I'm burying them, but it's easy to it's easy to see why people are jumping on the bandwagon of OKC. I'm not ready to give up on San Antonio either. I I actually think like you that they will win tonight and it will go to a game seven where you know at home, uh, you know. You'd have to put your money behind the Spurs, but you, they're also out of their last ten games that they've played in uh, in elimination games. They're two and ten. So again, not a great. And this is on the road, of course. So that's not a great stat to throw up there. So you gotta, you know, you gotta be a little concerned if you're a Spurs fan or a Spurs player or Greg Popovich for that matter. But I'm not ready to bury them. They've been too good for too long. But I do see, regardless of how this series ends, if if they win or lose, uh, this team needs to go back to the drawing board and they need a couple players, maybe like a Durant. They definitely need to usher in some young blood to add to that club. I mean, Danny Green put up a ton of points the other night, but it wasn't enough. So they're lacking in a lot of areas. Danny Green's been a bust since day one. I, let, let me just go on a Yes, I, I know he's your North Carolina guy. I get it. You're going to defend him to the, to, the, to the cows come home. But I picked up this guy in my fantasy league. Oh, thinking, here we go. Oh, he's a nice two-way player. I can get some points. I can get some steals and blocks. This dude has been a bust all season. People, I mean, the fantasy experts were saying, well, he's going to break out at some point. He's going to break out at some point. And I waited, waited till all the way, maybe till March. It never happened. Danny Green is not a key factor on this team. Not this year. Maybe he was in years past, but he's not that player this year. No. So he, he, I think he's, he's part of the letdown in San Antonio. If you're going to point fingers, yes, I know Tim Duncan is a carcass out there with, with no life, but... Danny Green hasn't been the greatest key player on this on this roster this year. No, absolutely not. But, but to my point is that he actually was one of the few people that did show up, you know, last game. And, and unfortunately, you got to look to the Spurs' bench. I mean, it's it's completely disappeared. The likes of Patty Mills, Ginobili, Kyle Anderson, David West, Boris Diaw. I mean, these guys are being outscored 15.7 points per 100 possessions. I mean, that is that is way too much, especially for a team that pretty much played 10 deep during the regular season and pop, you know, he prided himself on having a deep bench because he rested his starters so much. So again, if this bench disappears, which it has, they don't really stand much of a chance because then you put it all on Leonard and all on on uh, Aldridge and it's just too much at the end of the day these you know these are guys that can only create their shot to a certain extent uh, especially Aldridge you know he's not it's not his game so it's just it's a lot of pressure uh, they're not getting you know no they're not getting what they what they should you know what they should have in years before what they probably expected from their older statesmen but you know rightfully so I mean, how many times can these guys really do it and I heard an awesome stat the other day was that they are actually in what are they they've in the last seven years They've been they've gone to two NBA championships. We understand that, but every other time they've been knocked out in the first or second round of the playoffs. So this is a this is a boomer bust team, and that's the thing. Everybody says, "Well, they've been so good for so long. They've been great." Yeah, they have, but they also get knocked out relatively early in the playoffs too. So you got to take that with a grain of salt and say, you know, it, this could be another one of those years where they played so hard and so good all post all regular season that come postseason there just might not be anything left in the tank, and that's. That's fine. I mean, hey, it's, it, it is what it is at this point. Yeah, you're right about that. And I think the key to winning these last two games for San Antonio is it's got to be Tony Parker. Yeah. Because, I mean, he, 
He scored 2.7 points, 19, 22, then 9. So if you think about it, he has to be that, that extra leg for Aldridge and for Kawhi Leonard, that big three, to, so to speak, because Duncan, is again, is not cutting it. He's just a knock factor. And you can't you can't depend on any other all the other thirty eight thirty nine year olds on the bench. So sorry, David West, but I'm talking about you. But um, <laughs> yeah, I mean they just they just need some scoring. I thought Kevin Martin would give him a little more when they picked him up. I who? mean, halfway through the season, Kevin who hasn't given him much. But uh, yeah, yeah, it's, it's kind of a disappointment. It is, and and then we talked about it a couple podcasts ago on how you know in, in game two that whole Dion Waiters throwing his head three on one thing how you know basically Oklahoma took that game or some people want to say stole that game which is fine but look how that has basically changed this entire series I mean win lose or draw it's either going to go six or seven it changed this could have easily been you know if San Antonio wins that game they could they could have swept or they could have won you know the first three, whatever it was, they totally changed the impact. But you got to give it to Oklahoma at the same time. I mean, Deion Waiters, who we all say is, you know, how is he still in the NBA? He's actually playing pretty well. I mean, he's uh, of these first 24 points of 100 possessions, he's got nearly 10 of those. So it's pretty good. He's, he's actually performing. This is the Deion Waiters that, you know, he's been around the block. But once in a while, he decides to show up and he's out playing, you know, I Cantor, I mean, a guy who can't seem to guard you or me at this point, Waiters is, is kind of is dominating. And again, you play these mis- mix-match positions, you know, Waiters shouldn't be being guarded by a guy like Cantor because of their size, but they're moving parts around. And that's the cool thing about Oklahoma City is that they don't have to necessarily keep Ibaka at the five or keep Durant at the three, is that they can interchange, especially because Ibaka really has been a little bit of a letdown this series as well. He's not blocking those shots the way he usually does, and he's not grabbing all that many boards for a guy with his pedigree. So, you know, we also got to give credit to uh, to the coach there. You know, Billy Donovan, first time around, maybe it's fallen into place. Maybe he knows what he's doing after all, whereas most people just thought he was riding the coattails of his two superstars. You know, it's it's a perfect time of year for, the, for it all be, being put together. But, you know, again, just as we're not ready to claim San Antonio dead, I'm not ready to claim, you know, Oklahoma city the western conference champions i mean either but you like you touched on it a bit you got to give billy donovan some credit yeah. uh, i believe a, a reporter spoke out about it at the post-game press conference after game five and greg popovich being the cranky person he is said the series is not over yet and he 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 looked hot he looked upset <laughs> the reporter is basically trying to say you got to give billy donovan credit for doing what he's done and he's like but we're not done yet you know and i agree with that but uh, I, I got to give credit to the OKC Thunder organization. They know what they're doing. They're yeah. hiring the right coaches. They got the right players. Steven Adams has become an important part to this to this roster. Absolutely. I mean, he plays defense. He can play different positions. Has a great he's mustache. Not a scorer, but he's but he's a rim protector. So yeah. that kind of meshes into – he doesn't need the shots, so that kind of meshes in with Durant and Westbrook, who obviously need the ball, need the shots. He spoke about Serge Ibaka. He's further away from the rim. He's, he's, now he's become like a stretch four almost. So he's not going to grab as many rebounds or, or, you know, block up as many shots. But when he's on, the Thunder are pretty much unstoppable if he's on and or Kevin Durant or Westbrook are on. It's, it's a tough matchup to, uh, to overcome. But uh, on to the Eastern Conference where another older team is, is fading, seems to be fading. The Toronto Raptors are surprising everyone, and they have a series, a 3-2 series lead over the Miami Heat. Yeah. Uh, we have to talk also about two injuries, Valsh Eunice and uh, Whiteside both go out with an injury, I believe, in the same game, which changed, which changed the dynamic of the series. 
But I believe the white side injury was more costly for the Heat because they lose a rim protector. I mean, who are you going to play for those minutes? Amari Stoudemire? Not going to happen. Uh, the Raptors get Bismarck Biombo. I know a lot of people don't know who he is, but he's a pretty he's a pretty good rim protector. He's Balling. not going to give you 20 and 10 a game, but he's going to block some shots. He's yeah. going to get some rebounds. And he's, again, he's going to protect the rim, something that Valchunas is not. So I believe the Raptors... They took they taken advantage of this series. The injuries obviously play a part, but uh, it, it's it's seeming like the Raptors could come away going to the Eastern Conference Finals against LeBron James and the Cavaliers. I honestly think that Toronto would be more of a matchup. I mean, you just look at the rosters, you look at the way these two teams have been conceived, and who is really on the Heat? Who is really the one that's driving the team? It's thirty four year old Dwayne Wade. Can he keep it up? Maybe I don't know. He'll probably be amped up to play his old teammate LeBron James. But there's nobody else on that team that makes you say, "Ooh, ah, you know, Dragic is is he's a good point guard, but he's not exciting." Joe Johnson hasn't been exciting since you know Phoenix in like nineteen seventy three when he came in the league. <laughs> so I mean, there's just I I would rather see Toronto play. And again, look, I don't think either team has a chance against LeBron and company the way they're playing right now. But I'd rather see if we can get Kyle Lowry, who can make even half his shots, and we can see DeMar DeRozan of last night when he scored 34 points because that's what he's capable of. Now, again, do I do if look if they come out of the game and they're and they're 0 for 9, 0 for 10, it's going to be a long series. Or it's, you know they may not even beat the Heat because that's just the way the you know the ball seems to roll. But if they can come and they can control themselves, and you, like you said, Biombo's become amazing, and it's probably because he's a free agent, he's going to get paid next year. Uh, his defensive game is 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 important because it's bigger than anybody that the Heat currently have right now. This whole Chris Chris Bosh thing was eventually going to come back to bite him, and it has. No Hassan Whiteside, Stoudemire, they don't even play him, which at least I would put him on the floor because he's somebody over, you know, 6'5". At least I would get him out there. But again, Biombo is huge. And Corey Joseph, who used to be with the Spurs himself, is playing fantastic as a backup point guard. And sometimes you, they've been moving him to the two as well because it gives him two really good ball handlers uh, for that offense. So again, they've got nice interchangeable parts. Uh, Ross is playing, you know, pretty well. Uh, he, you know, he's filled in uh, for, you know, Demar, uh, Demar Carroll, who can't seem to stay healthy uh, more than ten minutes a game. Now he's got ankle problems. He's got elbow issues. So again, if he can come out and he can play like the guy that used to play with Atlanta, it's just there's a lot more. There's a lot more there that can that can kind of clamp down on a Cleveland team that we know has just been, you know, executing their will against everyone and anyone. But again, the series isn't over yet. I just see. I just think Miami's, I think they're done. I think, you know, they, they've spread themselves really thin. They, their bench is not very good. They don't seem to play Haslam. They don't play Stoudemire. There's just, there's just not a lot there. Spolstra is relying on these same names, these same guys that are over the hill, or guys like Dragic, who it was such a weird fit during the season that it's just a lot to ask right now. Hey, we're our backs up against the wall. We need to go and we need to win the next two uh, with Game 7 being in Toronto. I just don't see it happening. But, you know... Let's see. It's been a fun series. I'll say that. You know, it really has. I'm not the old crotchety guy, but I, I'm just holding on to the old bar for now. I feel like the Heat and the Spurs are going to pull it out somehow in, in seven in seven games in both cases. You know, I, I like to bring in the new and out with the old, but I just I, I don't feel confident in Toronto. How can you feel confident in DeMar DeRozan and, and Kyle Lowry how they played throughout this whole playoff? It's just kind of been up and down. You don't know what you're going to get night to night. Dwayne Wade has been is has been spectacular. I is no way, other way to say it. Without him, I don't think this team makes it out of the first round. Obviously, but again, the white side injury is 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 huge for the Heat because they don't have that they don't have that depth in the front court. As you said, Udonis Haslam doesn't you know he's not going to play huge minutes. Amari Stoudemire is 
five years past his prime. So you think about it, the Heat, the Heat are in trouble, but I think if Dwayne Wade can just rub the bait, Bengay on a little bit longer, hold on for two more games, he can meet up with his, his buddy LeBron in the Eastern Conference Finals. I just really want to get to the Conference Finals already because this is like a month now we're going on. We're not out of the second round yet. It's it's crazy long. And again, some series it's okay. Others, you know, how long can how long can Cleveland sit until they become, you know, stale from sitting so long because they're just blowing through people? I mean, obviously it works for a team like Golden State, who we'll talk about next because they've got some injuries, but again, it's just man, let's go already. Let's speed this series up because again, we're 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 ready for we're ready to see the best players on the planet, LeBron and Steph. Let's go, Mo. So, Mo, let's talk about the two-time NBA MVP and the first man ever to be a unanimous selection, Mr. Stephen Curry. Is that Stephen or Stephon Curry? Uh, it's Stephen and me, but Stephon to the people at Nike. So, <laughs> Absolutely. But, um, yeah, I'm, I'm all on board with him winning the MVP unanimously. I mean, if you think about it, the, the guys on the team that won 73 games, best regular season team in history. I know there's a lot of there's a lot of rebuke from the media. Trace McGrady had something to say about the league is watered down just because Steph got the unanimous vote. I don't agree with that. I, I feel like he was caught in a position to say something because he's on TV. He's on the jump with, with uh, Rachel Nichols. But uh, I don't agree with that, and I feel like he, he deserves it. I mean, you think about it. I mean, MJ didn't win unanimous, but when his team, he I mean, he won the MVP when his team had a 72-10 and 10 record. I know it's different when, you, when it's unanimous. That means no one else gets a first-place vote. But just think about it. This is the greatest, probably going to be the greatest regular season team ever. Do you ever see another team, would you ever think about another team breaking this record? So you think about it. He's, he's on the winning team. He's on a defending champions. He's on a record-setting team. His numbers aren't that bad either, if you think about it. 30.1 points per game, 5.4 rebounds, 6.7 assists, 2.1 steals, and leads the league in steals per game. His numbers aren't that bad. What I don't see what the outcry is. People want to make a story out of everything. Oh, how could you give it to him unanimously? Someone else deserves votes. Then we have the semantics about what does it mean to be MVP? Is it best player of the season? Is it most valuable? Because if you take LeBron off the team, how far do the Cavaliers go? But you can play that game with any team. If you take Dirk Nowitzki off the Mavericks, how far do they even make the playoffs? Is he the most valuable player then? No. The, it should be changed to best best regular season player. And that was Stephen Curry. We all know that is. Because usually the, the a team with the number one record in the East or West, usually a player on that team gets that award. Steph got it. Again, best regular season team in history. I don't see the cry. Give the kid the award. I don't like Adam Silver not shaking his hand when he presented the award, but that's cool. Adam Silver will get that. Uh, Stephen Curry, unanimous MVP. I'm all for it. Yeah, 30.1 points per game, led the league in points. 2.1 steals per game, led the league in steals. 73 wins out of 82 games. He even broke his own single-season mark for three-pointers with 402, topping last year's record by 116. What what can you possibly say that is negative about this guy? He's fantastic. He's fun to watch. He's different, and maybe that's why people are scared of him, because he's different, because he's actually getting better. I mean, there's nothing negative you could say. Oh, I heard, oh, he's a little cocky. You know what? 
there's been way cockier. So, you know what? I don't even want to hear it that when he made, uh, you know, 17 points in the overtime period the other night to cement his legacy <laughs> that he said, I'm back. Yeah, yeah, he is. And you know what? So be it, man. It's just, it, it's just everybody that's stuck in the 1990s and the 1980s that don't want to say that he's better than the likes of Abdul Jabbar, Michael Jordan, Larry Bird, Magic Johnson. It's a different era. It's a different type of player. It's a different everything. So just just appreciate what you're getting to watch because he may not do this ever. No one, let alone him, may do this next year, the year after. For us, hopefully we get to see this for a couple more years, but we know the lifespan of athletes these days is not more than three to five years. So appreciate what you have because it is amazing to watch a man bring the ball off the court, shake the socks off his defender, step back, and hit a 27-footer with ease, and, and he knew it was going in from the moment it left his hand. So please just witness greatness. That's really what it is about. Let's let's drop all the other hypocrisies and problems because this guy is the real deal. He He's built himself up from a guy that went to Davidson, small school in North Carolina, to being the greatest player on the planet. Just give credit where credit is due. I think people are just thrown off by the fact that he missed games and the Warriors were still actually pretty good. I mean, yeah. I think they set a, a game record for how many three-pointers they hit when he was out, and Klay Thompson led the charge on that. So people are saying, well, he can't be that valuable if the Warriors are able to win without him. But what I tell to these people is, would they have been 79, 73-9 without him? No. I don't think so. No, no so way. So we need to can that argument again. Like I said before, if you take Dirk Nowitzki off the Mavericks, how good are the Mavericks? Where do you draw the line? And I think Mike said that on the Mike and Mike show. But again, he deserves the award. Back to Tracy McGrady, though, saying that the league is watered down. Does he not see LeBron James, Russell Westbrook putting up a triple-double every other game, Kevin Durant, Paul George, John Wall, Damian Lillard, James Harden? People don't like James Harden, but the guy puts up buckets. So you can't say Stephen Curry is, is on a mountain by himself. There are other stars in this league who can put up numbers and, and propel the team to victory. It's just that Stephen Curry, Curry's on the best team of the season. And again, his numbers aren't too shabby. So nothing negative to say about that. Let the guy enjoy his award. Yes. Tracy McGrady, bitter party of one. Bitter party of one. All right. Yeah, he, yeah he's probably in the goose gossage party. Yeah. Where he's just like that old retired player that's like, eh, my day was a lot tougher. Yeah. We had the hand check. We had Michael Jordan. We had Shaquille O'Neal. Well, guess what? It's a different game. Absolutely. Different era. Just embrace it. If you're an NBA fan, just embrace it. Don't fight it because this is what it is right now. We're all about shooting a three-pointer. The Cavs mm-hmm. went off the other night shooting three-pointers on, on the Hawks like there was no tomorrow. They became the Golden State Warriors for a short period of time. And no one said anything. People were like, wow, the Cavs are really lighting it up. But when, when Steph Curry and the Warriors do it, it it's now it's considered annoying. No. And this is what happens. You, we build people up. You know, the Warriors were the team that no one expected. Steph Curry is the little short guy who, who throws up shots and they go in. And we love them. And then when they become dominant, then we hate them. And we try to tear them down. And I'm here to say, leave the short men alone. <laughs> little people need shine. Steph Curry, about 6'3" dominating a league of big people yeah. so shout out him on that one absolutely even when he brought it in the in the paint the other night he still was was just letting everyone around him just look at how great he was because it seemed like no one wanted to put a hand in his face. So I don't know. I don't know if it's the aura, the mystique of Steph Curry, or you know what? He's just that good and everybody else just needs to, you know, step up the game. But regardless, it's good for basketball. I don't agree with all these, you know, former greats are saying. I think they're all a little 
a little, uh, little salty, a little salty, yeah, salty. A, little, a little upset. And, you know, T-Mac, man, loved you. You were great in Orlando, but you chose to go to Orlando. You chose to go to Houston. You chose to play by yourself for many, many years where Steph Curry has a team around him. And you know what? Not only does Steph Curry make his teammates better, they make him better. So, you know, unfortunately, he didn't get to experience that. Again, his choosing. Steph Curry, he's in a perfect situation. Great coach, great organization. So, you know what? Hands down. Just, just, just watch it. Just appreciate it. And you know what, everybody, stop trying to just debate the debate. It's it, this isn't 1996. This isn't 2006. 2016. It's a different era of basketball. There's great players all over the all over the league. If you say there's not, then you're you're watching the wrong basketball. So uh, that's it. That is it for the the first segment of episode 13. We're gonna come back with open mic. We're gonna talk a couple more NBA happenings, and of course, we might even touch on my man Maurice Moton's. Las Vegas Raiders. We'll be right back. Open mic. I am the pulse of Orlando Magic basketball. I know all that goes on with the O-Town Magic. And like I said a couple weeks ago, that the Orlando Magic were headed down a road that somehow would come to a halt with either the general manager or the coach leaving. And it looks like I was right. Because today, Scott Skiles, the one-year coach of the Orlando Magic, up and resigned. So while I pat myself on the back, Mo, why don't you let us all know why Mr. Skiles decided to leave the Magic? Well, first of all, I didn't know the Orlando Magic had a pulse that you had to be on because Whoa. this franchise has been dormant for the past, I don't know how long. Since Dwight left. But, uh... <laughs> but uh, Scott Skiles basically steps down. Basically, it's was, it was just a disagreement between head coach and an organization, the front office, basically. I heard that he went on a trip in Central Florida with the front office to kind of smooth things over, and it didn't work out. There was basically a lot of turmoil about how to handle the point guard position. Apparently, the front office is in favor of Alfred Payton as their starting point guard and future point guard, and Ugh. Scott Skiles is kind of iffy about it. I'm kind of iffy about how to develop players. He's more of a disciplinarian. We spoke about this before. Scott Skiles is a tough guy. If you remember him from his playing days, a tough guy. But he was a real, like, pass-first, genuine point guard. Real, real tough-behind-the-nails type of fellow. But he wanted to basically toughen up his young Magic players and bench them if they didn't play defense. There was a there was an anecdote about Hazonia playing, and he said basically he would bench Hazonia if he didn't play good defense, even if he was shooting well and dunking the basketball or whatever being the J.R. Smith of, of Europe or whatever you want to call him. But he would bench his players if they didn't play good defense. And and that apparently rubbed some people the wrong way in the front office, and they felt like they, the player development should go in a different direction. There's a disagreement, and he shocked a lot of people by stepping down. Victor Oladipo took to Twitter and said he was shocked, and I believe on another player that's escaping my mind, Fournier, actually said he was shocked on Twitter about the step down. But, uh... It makes you think about the Magic in a different way. You don't think about the Magic in the same way as you think about the Sacramento Kings as a dysfunctional organization, but they're running. They're starting to run through coaches. It's starting to become a pattern in Orlando. And, Mike, if you have the pulse of the Orlando Magic, I think you need to maybe step in and whisper in someone's ear, Rob Hennigan needs some, needs some direction because I feel like Scott Skiles could have been a great coach for Orlando Magic, and the way he way he developed his players, I, I totally agree with it. If you're not playing good defense, if you're not playing on both ends of the floor, you're going to have to sit down. I would love to see Scott Skiles coach James Harden one day. That's another story, but I, I'm on Scott Skiles' side, and I feel like um, 
the Magic missed out on this one. Of course, they didn't fire him. He voluntarily stepped down according to his statement. But one thing I want to say is I'm sure the Magic probably missed Stan Van Gundy. Yeah, oh, I mean, yeah. the guy took the Pistons to the to the postseason. I know they, they lost to the Cleveland Cavaliers, but it's LeBron James. Think about it. Mm-hmm. I mean, the Pistons have been in the playoffs since how long? Since, you know, Billups and those guys and Ben Wallace and yep. Beck and Frank Vogel are top candidates for the job. If you had to pick between the two, Mike, who would you pick? I would take Frank Vogel. I think you're going to agree with me on that one. Yeah, yeah, I like Frank Vogel, especially with with a young roster. Now, I'm I'm so glad that you that you said that uh, Stan Van Gundy, you know, that basically you brought him up and said that he did a great job, which he did in Detroit, and he did a great job because he had control of the roster, which is something he never had with Orlando, and that is where the problem stems with this young team. It's a flawed roster. They continue to draft the best available, and that's fine when you have nothing, but you had parts. You've been drafting in the in the lottery for the past six years, and they continue to draft just, oh, he's an athlete. Yo, he can jump out of the building. Oh, he can dribble. But they're not really great at anything. They're not a great three-point shooter. They're not a great point guard. They're not a great rebounder. They're just good. And it, look what happened. I mean, you have a team of the same people, and you expect Scott Skiles to what? To find a diamond in the rough? He did a good job. I mean, you look at, you know, Vucevic, who played, had a great season, did a lot of things well. Fournier came out of nowhere, and now he's going to get paid big bucks. But, I mean, if the guy tells you that I don't believe that Alfred Payton is, is our point guard of the future, he's had plenty of opportunities to prove it and has nothing but regressed since his rookie year, you don't believe him and you basically force him out? You say that Victor Oladipo, another guy, hasn't hasn't grown to the to the potential that he you know was saddled with so you what you you also say that he's wrong this is a coach this guy knows what he's doing he played the game he sees firsthand if he tells the players that look i'm gonna be hard on them i I think you're soft you lack a professional mindset the gm can't come and say no 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 you're wrong this is this is our team this is what we've been building for the past four or five years dude it's not working you have you he had to go rob hennigan the gm of the of the orlando magic it had to start with him He's the one needed to go because he's the mastermind of this team. So what happens now? You go and you fire, you, you hire Frank Vogel or Patrick Ewing, who might be another option because he was with this team for so many years as, a, as an assistant, knows the team. You bring either of these guys or any person for that matter, and you go and you win again 32 games next year or you win 25 games. Like you said, are we going to fire another coach? Is it somebody else's fault? No, it's the, it's the front office. And Stan Van Gundy, who had control, put together a good team. He basically robbed the magic of Tobias Harris for nothing. <laughs> Ilasova and Jennings didn't give up a draft pick. The magic have no idea what they're doing. They don't know how to run a front office. And it's, it's the result. It's the proof is in the pudding. This team can't win. They can't win more than 30-something games in a year. It's never going to work to get them to the playoffs at the current pace they are. You need to unfortunately you need to trade away whatever pieces you can go grab a guy like jimmy butler grab somebody that's going to excite the fans and not only excite the other players around him because you do have talent but you don't have pieces that are going to make you you know the next team to talk about in the nba so that's why i'm on the pulse that's why i think things have to change in orlando because again it's a city that's ripe for ripe for something to happen positive for this team because they've been around for so long and they have had many opportunities. They just can't really grasp the ring. And at the current pace they're going on, oh man, I just don't see I don't see anything happening positive because it's just the same it's the same team, same situation year after year after year. 
So how would you feel if Dwight Howard made a full circle and came back to Orlando to save the franchise and become Superman yet again? How well, would you feel about that? You know, and we'll talk about him and his his interview on TNT <laughs> in a little bit. But after seeing that, I think he's a changed man. I think, you know what, depending on how much money he's going to want, which, you know, it's going to be probably his last contract, he's going to want to get paid. It would be a, it would be a weird kind of rotation with him and, and you know, Vukovic, who basically played the same position. But again... If it, if it can work financially, I'm all for it because what we have now is not working. You know, the point, the power forward, it's you got you got Aaron Gordon who can jump out of the building but can't shoot. You know, he, he rebounds when he wants. You That guy can't, he can't start. And if he gets better, I'm all for it. I wouldn't trade him for nothing, but it's just, it's not enough. And if a guy like Dwight Howard is at least going to bring a little bit of credibility back to your organization because he was there when your teams were great, got you to the finals against the Lakers, then I'm all for it because maybe he comes back and he is healthy and he gets your team a little bit more exposure you play a couple more tnt tbs games during the week and now you become talked about and people want to play for a team like that you can't tell me that the magic are going to go out and they're going to sign anybody of any real relevance like i get al horford's from florida you can't tell me that these guys are going to come in and they're going to make a difference and they're going to make this team get to that next level i just don't see it and i'm not saying that dwight howard is going to do that right now by himself either but unless at least he has the potential to be to be the maybe a, a, a somewhat of a guy that he once was and make this team better they need a veteran presence and maybe that's what Dwight needs too he needs to be the leader he needs to be that vocal leader not the way he did it last time by throwing his coach under the bus but being that person that can rally the troops because there is no one that does that on this team and Skiles being the coach tried to do that he tried he tried to make somebody on the team do it nobody nobody stepped forward so he tried to be the guy to rally everybody around him and all he got was pushback from his general manager not his players because they could only do so much there's no there's no animosity on this team as far as you know bad blood there's just there's just a certain level of talent that they can't get past and unfortunately Skiles could he did a lot better than they did last year. Should have been given another year. And we know that he obviously resigned, but I think it was a lot more than that. I think he was pushed out, and that falls on the GM. So, again, will this GM even bring in Dwight Howard? I doubt it because it seems like this GM is all about, you know, his way of doing things, which is continue to draft, continue to get the same pieces that don't work. You sound a little bit upset, Mike. I mean, yeah, yeah. <laughs> just an understatement, just a tad bit upset. But um, Scouts did say that he feels the organization values player development over team development. And what he means by that is they'd rather play a player 35 minutes, whether he's playing defense or not, versus sending him down and setting an example and saying, look, this is how we're going to play the game as a team. Forget the player. We drafted him high, his own or whoever it is. We drafted this guy high. We need to develop this player. No, I want to develop this team to show... This is how we play the game. And I think that's where the big disagreement came in. But, Mike, I do have a plan to fix the magic and exercise all their demons. Just check it oh, out. Okay. Just listen to me okay. real quick. Okay? You hire Shaq as the PR person. Okay. You hire Penny as the assistant head coach. <laughs> you get D12, Dwight Howard back, and you bring back Brian Hill to coach your team. Again? For the, third, for the third time you're bringing Brian Hill back? <laughs> yes. Oh. That's how you... I 
Everybody, he only missed the playoffs one time with the team. Yeah, think it's, about it. it's true. Think but about that. Part, but, part um, of what you're saying, though, is the problem because everybody in the Magic organization continues to think that they're going to draft the next Shaq and the next Penny. And we there's these type of players only come around once a generation. And Shaq has talked in the papers here in Orlando that he would want to buy the, the organization one day because he still lives here, loves Orlando. And I would be, man, Shaq, I'll start a GoFundMe account right now if you need extra money because we need to get this this organization out of the hands of the people who currently run it because it's just, it's like I said, it's a debacle. And I would love for them to make me eat my words. But again, they started 19 and 13 this year and it fell flat. So again, I'm all for I'm all for change. Uh, I think the Scott Skiles thing isn't a, isn't a change for the better. But let's see who they bring in. Frank Vogel would be cool. Patrick Ewing would be cool. I'm all for bringing in Penny Hardaway right about now. At least it would make the attendance go up. So, but I guess real, we'll we'll see. But real quick, the Magic they they've got to be a team that has got to be synonymous with known with getting something good and then messing it up. Oh, absolutely. Like they, it seems like they always get something good and then they find some way to screw it up. Yeah. I, don't, I don't get it. I don't see how that works. But um, it's a stigma. On to another team. On to another team that's looking for a head coach. Uh, shout out to Laura in Indiana. She actually posed this question. She'd probably kill me if I didn't ask it. But she wanted my opinion or our opinion on Mark, Jack- Mark Jackson's fit with Indiana Pacers, her being a Pacers fan. And I think I know where Mike is gonna go in this one, but um, because he has a he has a thing against people who do color commentary and they go into coaching, <laughs> even though Mark Jackson does have experience. Yeah, he's got experience. Jackson, I Jenny like him. Smith, by the way. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I mean, think about that. But um, I, I actually like Mark Jackson's fit with the Pacers. I just don't think Larry Bird will, will hire him simply because Larry Bird has said he wanted a faster pace uh, offensive unit. He wants his guys to push up and down the floor. Mark Jackson did improve the Warriors' offense, but he was more known for his defensive prowess. So I think if 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 Larry Bird goes for a coach, he'll go for more of an offensive mind. I'm just going to throw out four names that have already been connected to this job. Nate McMillan, if you remember him, he used to coach the Portland Trailblazers, I believe, made it out of the first round once or didn't make it out at yeah. all. I have to back on that. Mm-mm. Mike Woodson, we all know Mike oh, Woodson. Oh, my uh, goodness. He created ISO Joe with the Atlanta Hawks, <laughs> and he came to the Knicks and did a great job, and they, they unceremoniously fired him. Uncle Phil. Reason. He looks like Uncle Phil. Uh, <laughs> definitely. And then you got Randy Whitman, who just got canned by the Washington Wizards. Oh, jeez. Uh, Yikes. And then you got the obvious hire, who I think is the best hire for what Larry Bird wants. Maybe not necessarily the best head coach on this list, but Isaiah Thomas. <laughs> yeah, right. Okay, that's that's ne- that's never happening. That's never, uh, ever, ever happening. Uh, <laughs> but uh, Mike D'Antoni, who's the inventor of the seven seconds or less offense, yeah. I think that's the best fit for what Larry Bird wants. I don't think he's necessarily the best coach, again, unless you have this, the pieces. I mean, think about it. When he had the seven seconds or less offense, he had Steve Nash and Amari Stoudemire in their prime. So you don't have that in Indiana. Yes, you have PG-13, but who's going to be your point guard dishing it like Steve Nash? You don't have that in George Hill or Ty Lawson. But uh, my opinion, uh, Mark Jackson, I'm lukewarm on it. I like him as a coach, but I just don't think he fits with what Larry Bird wants. What do you think about, since you're so high on color commentary, guys, bringing back Reggie Miller? I, You know what? I, I would like to see Reggie Miller coach, but I just don't think he'd be that great at it because... He's a good, <laughs> he's a good commentary Miller, guy, though. I, I mean, I I don't think he's as knowledgeable as a Kenny Smith when it comes to basketball, when it comes to X's and O's. I don't see Reggie Miller as an X's and O's guy. When I listen to Reggie Miller's commentary, 
He's either taking shots at players or he's got these wisecrack comments. I don't see any analytical, you know, strength in him like I see in Mark Jackson, like I see in Kenny Smith. Like I said last episode, Kenny Smith will go to the screen and he'll break down a play and you, he'll show you something that you didn't see. Yeah. I don't see Reggie Miller doing that. I see Reggie Miller as like a level above Shaq. And I know that's not saying a lot that's because not. Shaq doesn't really give you anything, yeah. you know, from an analytical standpoint. Yo, I like I like his game. I like his, I like his game because uh, <laughs> he got a he got big he got big foot and uh, I got big foot and uh, we got we got pizza. Shaq, what? Shaq, we love you, but that was a that was pretty spot on there. Yeah, I'm but, uh, Shaq, you're great, but you're you're in there with Barkley. You're an entertainer. You're not really an analyst. That's how I look at those two. Yeah. It's just they're just laughs. Terrible. But Reggie Miller's kind of Reggie Miller's kind of in the middle where he give you a little bit, but not enough to say, yeah, he could be a coach one day. He could be a head coach one day. I would like to see Reggie Miller be the assistant coach before he gets promoted to head coach. What but about what about again, what about my man, the other Van Gundy coach in Indiana? Be, like, I just think that'd be funny because last time we saw him, you know, wasn't it you know him getting beat by Reggie many many years ago? <laughs> Oh yeah, Jeff Van Gundy. Yeah. I was gonna say I like Jeff Van Gundy for the magic job to kind of. The magic oh, that kind yeah, of, Van Gundy's come full circle. The Van Gundy brothers. Yeah, yeah, you know? sure, that'd be cool. That'd be cool. I actually, I think, I think personally, I like Mark Jackson with with the magic because of what he did with Golden State. But again, he doesn't seem to get along with front offices, so. Uh, I just think I think the Magic will hire somebody that they can control. Maybe like a Frank Vogel. I didn't think he was that type of guy, but the, little did we know that the whole Larry Bird situation, he seems to be pulling the strings. So, Yeah, absolutely. He's definitely pulling the strings there. And I think the fallout with Frank Vogel is, is basically kind of what happened with the Orlando to a lesser extent. Yeah. But at least Frank Vogel had some success. And then after a while, they just didn't see eye to eye. With the Magic, it just never got off the ground with Scott Skiles. And they just parted ways and it just makes the organization look bad. Yeah. But... Bird just looks particular in, in, in this standpoint, but uh, Laura would kill me if I didn't ask, but who do you think is the best spot? Who do you think fits best with the Pacers, and do you like Mark Jackson for the Pacers? If, if you had to go 1 to 10, what would your fit with Mark Jackson be with the Pacers? I don't like Mark Jackson with the Pacers because I feel like that Pacers need a lot uh, still to add to that team to really to want to keep, to, to, to make Paul George want to stay there more than, you know, the one year left on his contract. So I don't like that. I don't, they're not a young team by any stretch. They're not an old team either, but they're, still, they're a weird kind of combination stuck in the middle. Uh, I think Mark Jackson would be better served going to a place like Sacramento or the Magic or, you know, maybe even Memphis, somewhere, somewhere else that he can kind of you know do his thing uh, as, as far as as far as a coach i like van gundy I, I i like him i don't know why bird won't bring kevin McHale. he respects him too much that's just that's the stupidest thing i've heard in a long time uh he wants somebody that's gonna you know uh, i guess do his duty on the court somebody that is it seems that uh, somebody that's been in the nba somebody that kind of has a name uh, to a certain extent so I, I don't know it's 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 a really it's a weird job i don't i would prefer i mean if i was a guy who was was a coach looking for a job i'd rather take the memphis job over that indiana uh, job any day of the week because of the makeup of the roster and you know even though it seems like both front offices of both organizations are kind of uh, a little wacky I guess is what we're getting out in the reports today <laughs> but uh, but it'll be interesting maybe a guy like Eric Spolstra doesn't make it out of Miami this year maybe he's a maybe he's a fit in Indiana I mean there would be rumblings about that as well so hey maybe hey you know what actually Indiana should hire Kurt Ramses so that we oh, as, as Nick fans can go get somebody else but you know what speaking of that 
maybe maybe David Blatt because it seems like he also is a little bit of a puppet. So maybe Larry Bird can kind of just do exactly what he wants through David Blatt. I, that seems like what the situation kind of is appealing to certain people there. I don't think my buddy in India is going to like the David Blatt. Uh, well, yeah, it's, the, the pickings yeah, are I, slim. I, I, yeah, it's slim pickings now. Um, as you know, the, the Memphis Grizzlies former coach Dave George, I believe that's how you pronounce his name, went to the Kings. Yeah. And so the Kings have their guy. So they're moving parts there. But Memphis seems like an attractive spot for Mark Jackson. You brought that up. And I think that's a good fit because Memphis has that grinder type of defensive, you know, smush you in the face type of attitude. But Mark Jackson would reunite with Monte Ellis, if my memory serves correct. He had Monte Ellis in Golden State if Mark Jackson were to go to Indiana, which would be interesting. I wonder what their relationship is like. But uh, <laughs> the Pacers, I think, is is the best job that's available. I, I value that job over the Wizards job, only because Bradley Bill can't stay healthy. And, you know, I like PG-13. I value it over the Memphis job because you're in Eastern Conference, which is, which is a easier conference to get further than it is in the West. So uh, if I'm Mark Jackson, if I had to pick, I I would pick the Pacers job. But if you're going with fit, I think he does fit more so with, with the Memphis Grizzlies. Hmm. Interesting. Interesting indeed. But remember, Washington actually did sew up their head coaching job. They got Scott Brooks on like a, you know, a very, very... Why do I, yeah, why do I always forget <laughs> Scott Brooks? On? That's don't worry, you're not alone. Many people have Scott, forgotten Scott, Scott Brooks. Scott Brooks with me, apparently. I know, I you know. don't, you don't got something against short white guys, I guess, so regardless, <laughs> it's okay. I think he yes. played, he played in the NBA for like 15 minutes one night, so it's, uh, it's not he, that big a deal. He, he played, I see, I remember this, he played for the Rockets, so. Yeah. I mean, he, I remember he was on the rock. He was, he was a, he was basically a three. He was kind of like Kerr, a less a, a Kerr light. Yeah, like Kerr's a lot better than he was at three point shooting. But that's what he did. He shot threes. Maybe that's why I don't remember him. It's okay. It's hard. It's hard to remember the coach of the Oklahoma City Thunder when you have Westbrook's personality. You got Kevin Durant there. But uh, like we said earlier, Billy, Billy Donovan doing a good job. I just remember Billy Donovan way back when. Except I believe he accepted the Magic job yep. and then went back. To Florida? Did yep. that happen? Yeah, that happened, and then he, he was banned for five years from uh, coaching in the NBA, or is it three years? It was three or five years he was banned from coaching because of, you know, how he signed a contract and then backed out of it. So I'm glad the NBA did that to him back then. But uh, again, yeah, just, just ineptitude makes the magic look like they have no idea, but I, I'm not, I can't talk about the magic anymore. But you know what? Let's talk about a guy that might be the magic. We, we spoke about Dwight Howard just a little bit. Uh, Mo, I, I, I don't know if you saw it, but the Inside the NBA... Um, I guess they did, they did a 14-minute interview, which was really weird because if you know anything about TV, TV segments, it just doesn't run that long. But it was actually – it was pretty awesome, you know, for lack of a better term, the fact that Dwight Howard in his mauve-colored suit with his Superman pin on his lapel was just – he was sitting there and he seemed contrite and he seemed honest. And, you know, for a guy to basically tell – you know, tell Charles Barkley that, hey, man, you called me out. Like, you you and Magic Johnson said that I'm not going to be anybody. And to let them know, and not that Barkley apologized or anything, but he, you know, Dwight let them know that, hey, you've motivated me. I am a good player. I've been in this NBA now, you know, 12 years, so you've got me to this point. But then it was just, it was kind of, it was something we've never seen before that Kenny Smith and Charles basically, it was like an intervention. They basically told him what he needed to do, how he needed to opt out of his contract because he needed to get paid, he needed to worry about himself, he needed more money, more buckets. I heard that exact term right then and there. Um, how, you know, it was, they criticized him, but he took it. He took it like a man, and he said, like, he understood that it was good for him. You know, it was serious, serious advice, and even though it might have gotten weird and kind of awkward in moments, you know, they, they kind of spoke to him in a way that 
we don't get to see as you know media or fans you know ex-players ex-superstar talking to a guy another guy Dwight Howard for all intents and purposes will be a hall of famer one day telling him what he needs to do to kind of get his 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 act right and how you know he wasn't liked in LA and how he kind of burned bridges now in Houston and where he's where is he gonna go and you know they obviously asked him where was he gonna go and he said I, I honestly don't know you know, I don't know. And the guy, you know, the uh, the analyst who wasn't Ernie Johnson kept saying, well, he hasn't even opted out. And that's when, you know, both Kenny and, and, and Sir Charles there said, well, he's got to opt out. And he does. You know, he does to a certain extent. It's a lot of money. Will he get, you know, 20 mil a year at this point? No, but he's going to get a longer contract. So, so it does make sense. But putting that all aside, now, Mo, do you have any... Do you have any remorse how you've bashed Dwight? Do you think that he's a bigger man or a better man or he'll be a better teammate than he was in the past? And if so, where do you think he goes uh, come July? First of all, I never bashed Dwight Howard. Lies. I actually like actually, yeah, <laughs> Dwight Howard. Okay, that's number one. Number two, when I watched this interview with Kenny Smith and Charles Barkley doing a little intervention, I saw it as Kenny Smith flexing his coaching muscle. Did you see how he uh, broke it down to how he should act? Of course act? he did. He, I, yeah, I believe he used this analogy. Uh, a player can be a lion or a hyena, you know, and it compares to Dwight's demeanor, whether he should be joyful in the court or just kind of stoic and mean and show, show a mean streak. He, he says that he struggles with that. He says that people say, oh, you smile too much. So then he gets, he gets serious and people go, well, he's disinterested because he's not smiling like he used to be. And I tell Dwight Howard, like I tell all these athletes, Screw what everyone else thinks. Just do you. And basically, that's what Kenny Smith told him. Kenny Smith said, you can't turn a lion into a hyena. You can't turn a hyena into a lion. And Dwight Howard is a talented hyena, basically. He likes to have fun on the court, but he is talented. Unfortunately for Dwight Howard, he's a big in a game where it's run by guards, shooters, three-pointers. And he said this. He said, if I could dribble between my legs and shoot three-pointers, that'd be great. But he can't. He's six yeah. eleven, seven feet tall. He's an inside presence. He's a, he's a defensive presence, and he a team needs to be able to utilize his strengths and be able to want to utilize his strengths. He's not getting out of Houston with James Harden dominating the ball. James Harden is either going to take it to the hole and lay it up, or try to draw a foul. He's going to shoot. Howard is not going to get his touches there. He needs to go to a team, a young team, where he can kind of be the leader, the go-to guy in the middle. That's why I suggest. He goes to, drumroll please, the Brooklyn Nets. Oh, yes, he goes to the Brooklyn Nets with Brooke Lopez over there in that dying franchise to, to just kind of, you know, fix his brand. I, I mean, Howard is a big personality. You don't want to go to a Milwaukee or an Indiana. Go to a big, come to Brooklyn. Come to Brooklyn. You know, you don't want your executive, executive producer or head coach all of the videos. Come over to Brooklyn, you know. Expand your brand. You'll be great there. Yes, we have Brooke Lopez, but remember, Dwight Howard can't play back-to-backs. He's not the same player he used to be as far as his stamina and endurance. He can play a good role there in Brooklyn and coach up the young kids. They're just they're restarting over there in Brooklyn. So why not come over to Brooklyn and just, just hit the reboot, hit the reset button, bro, and, and you'll be all good. That makes That goes exactly against what Kenny and Charles said, that the number one priority <laughs> for him should be winning a title because he has a, you know, a small window of about five to seven years, give or take, uh, left to play. So regardless if he gets a max deal from Brooklyn, why in the world would he go there? They have nothing but one player in Brook Lopez who can't play a full season because he has the feet of a toddler so what is the there's no point if you're gonna go to a bad team 
if you're going to go to a team that can't get to the playoffs, it should be the Magic just because he has a history. He would be he's already beloved in the city. Well, he would be beloved if he came back. It's kind of the whole LeBron thing when he left the first time he he wiggled his way out. But he should in all intents of honesty, he should go to a team that needs a center. He should go to the San Antonio Spurs if they have the cap space instead of signing a Durant, they're going to need a big man. They're losing what? Wait, hold on. We just spoke five minutes about how old the San Antonio Spurs He's 31. He's only 30. Breaking down. Dwight Howard is 30. He's 30. I'm not saying I'm not saying he's going to be the number one option, but you're telling me he's going to be the main attraction in the Barclays Center in New Jersey yes. and he's going to or Jersey in Brooklyn and he's going to make people come out. No, no one is going to come out to watch Dwight Howard by himself in Brooklyn. That's the worst team in the NBA at, that's based in Brooklyn on the East Coast that's not Philadelphia, okay? So, so that's, wait a minute. It's crazy. So you're going to go to the Magic who are closer to winning a championship? They're closer than Brooklyn. They're a whole lot closer than Brooklyn, but they're they're both not close. He needs to go to a good team that he can somewhat get paid and possibly win a title. I all only right, say San right. Antonio because they need a center. But it's a lot of places. Maybe he goes to the Heat if they lose Whiteside. Who knows? Portland. Portland. Okay, I no, thought about it. No, no. They, they, Portland needs a rim protector. Part, and, yes, he used to be that, but he's not that guy anymore. Portland needs – and Plumlee's a nice piece, but it's it's not enough. They have no defensive presence, and that's why they lost to Golden State because there's nobody that was af- nobody was afraid to go in the paint. Plumlee got dunked on, and we talked about this. And you know <laughs> his imprint is still in the court, so that that would be that would be terrible. And yes, Milwaukee would also be terrible. Phoenix would be terrible. Philadelphia. I mean, the list goes on. There's very few places that Dwight could go and actually make an impact. Dallas, Dallas might be one of them. There's been rumors for years that he was that he wanted that you know he wanted to go to Dallas. Didn't seem to work. He picked Houston. You know, I'm just trying to think off the, where. How about, how about Boston? Bo- yeah, Bo- Boston would be a good place, too. Um, they don't seem to be willing to pay anybody in Boston. That seems to be the biggest issue there. So, again, it's really it's going to be interesting to see because as much as Dwight says, you know, and everybody around him says, well, you should look to win a title. Well, let's see what Dwight does. Let's see where he goes. If he doesn't opt in, let's see if the money's more important, uh, you know, becoming the big man that you once were or the allure of winning a title yeah, I'm 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 in the you know, I'm in probably in the majority to say that he's gonna take the dollars and, and go where that leads him. But you know what? Hey, he could surprise us. He he really could. But uh don't be surprised if you know if he ends up in a place like uh Brooklyn. If he ends up in Brooklyn then he's just the dumbest man alive because there is there's, there's <laughs> Why nothing. you ain't no Brooklyn? No, I'm not hating him. My dad's from Brooklyn, I'm hating on that team. That team is horrible. They are terrible. They traded anything they had. They have they don't even have draft picks anymore. They have well, they I believe they do have the the magic draft pick this year. But regardless, yeah. they don't have much of anything in in terms of making you know people want to go to to play there either. That's the thing. There's no draw. There's no oh Brooke Lopez. That's cool. What? It, I mean, it's the atmosphere. Dwight Power gets his brand. He I mean, remember he's he's a big personality. He wants to have a brand. So if you want to have a brand, you got to go to a, a you know. Big market, because yeah. if you go to a small market and you want to have a brand, you got to be a winning team. Like, if you want to be a, a big brand on a, on a team like OKC, you got to be winning. You can't be a big brand on a team that's not winning. It's uh-huh. just not going to work out. Okay. I mean, if, if you're going to take the dollars, at least go where you can expand your name if you're not going to win a title. 
Yeah, like like all those guys in Chicago and, and uh, you know, Kevin Garnett and Paul Pierce and Joe Johnson did and Darren Williams and all those guys did in Brooklyn the first time. And not so much, okay? We they, they, If you're a team like Brooklyn and you've, already, you've now managed to get rid of most of the salary, which I can't even believe, you know, they did, but they did, then you know what? Start over. Go through the draft for a little bit. You know, sign guys that aren't going to cost you too much, that but you can get better incrementally. Uh, a guy like Dwight Howard would just... I mean, yeah, it would be better than what they have, but it's not its not anything that's going to make you get to the playoffs. So, Well, well speaking of money being thrown around and, and opting out and going places, the Oakland Raiders could be the Las Vegas Raiders sooner than later. Uh, Mark Davis is actually in talks with the mayor in, in Vegas, and the mayor is very adamant about having a team there. She even threw in the Chargers as a possibility, but for the intents and purposes, over the past week, the Raiders have been connected to Las Vegas Obviously, Oakland fans aren't too happy about it because they lose a sports team. Me, I look at it and say, look, I'm in New York City, and the New York football teams are in New Jersey. So, I mean, it's not yeah. that big of a deal. If you really like the Raiders, if you're really a fan like that, you'll go to Vegas and you'll travel. But I understand that you'd rather have it in your backyard versus having to cross state lines to go see your favorite team. So I get that. But this isn't the first time the Raiders have moved. As we all know, they started off in Oakland, went to Los Angeles, came back to Oakland. So if they move again, it's like, Meh, another move by the Raiders. It's not surprising. Mark Davis is taking the maverick role of his of his late father, Al Davis, and just kind of going about it on his own. I mean, at first they were going to move to Los Angeles, and then Jerry Jones kind of put together a deal with Stan Kroenke and, and Dean Spanos to get them in, in Inglewood. The Chargers, obviously, are working, trying to work out things with the San Diego people, county officials, and they're trying to stay in San Diego. But Mark Davis has been without a home, and he basically made this clear that, yes, the Raiders do have a tentative deal, and they can opt out after a year or two to go elsewhere. And he made it clear that they're not fully committed to Oakland. After years of trying to negotiate something with Oakland County officials and nothing getting done, he said, look, I'm just going to take my money, go elsewhere, and find someone who actually wants us. Because it seems like the Oakland County officials value the Oakland Athletics more than the Raiders. And to me, I felt like Mark Davis felt that was a slight and he needs to go elsewhere where his franchise is going to be number one. Again, he didn't want to be a tenant in Inglewood with Stan Kroenke and the Rams. So that's why he didn't really jump at the Los Angeles you know, preposition, even if the Chargers were, to, were not to go there because that, that option would be open to the Raiders. But I think the key linchpin in this whole story is Jerry Jones came out, I believe it was today, and said that he's actually fine with the Raiders going to Las Vegas. And they asked him about the whole gambling connotation, and he and he said it himself. He said, well, that doesn't overshadow the entertainment value of a team going to Los, An- Las Vegas. And he's looking at it from a money standpoint. He's looking at dollar signs. He's not looking at, oh, it's gambling, it's taboo. I believe we're all over the whole gambling taboo thing. Again, we have all of these gambling sites, DraftKings, FanDuel. People are just over it now. Vegas doesn't have that black cloud hanging over its head. And now it's okay for a team to just go there, set up shop, have a stadium, and call that their home. So Jerry Jones, I believe his his preposition on his perspective on this kind of moves the Raiders to Las Vegas because, again, he was the guy who put together the Rams' charges deal for Inglewood. He didn't really want the Raiders in Inglewood. And if you know Jerry Jones, again, big personality. He's the guy pushing the buttons with all the owners. He's the people person. He's the one that gets people moving toward what he feels is the best decision. And if he says the Raiders are cool in Las Vegas, 
it could really happen. This Raiders-Oakland relationship is like your friends on Facebook that like, you go on one day and it says, like, it's complicated. Then it's like, oh, I'm, I'm single. <laughs> then it's like, in a relationship. Ooh, married. Oh, no. Single. Like, shut up. Like, give me a break. <laughs> Oakland is just abusing this Raider organization, this team that was, you know, once great and seems to be on the come up. Like, w- yes, we got past the, the gambling thing. Everybody and their mother gambles on Sunday via FanDuel or CBS Sports or whatever. It's, I mean, there's so much money to be made, and anyone and everyone that's been to Vegas knows it's an awesome city for like three days. And then it gets kind of tiresome because it's the same old thing. It's gambling, it shows, ooh, but now it could be football. So, again, that's going to be something that's going to make everybody that's involved in the NFL, Roger Goodell, the owners of the Raiders, so much money. And it's just a fun place to be. If you're going to be anywhere and you're going to play away from your family, why not be in Vegas? There's plenty to do. I'm sure the guys will find trouble because that's what they do as well. But I love Vegas. I think Vegas is a great option. The Las Vegas Raiders has a fantastic ring to it. You can keep the same colors, same uniforms. Nothing's got to change. And you know what the thing is? Oakland, that is the worst stadium I've ever seen, maybe besides the Tropicana Field in Tampa, but the same, it's it's a horrible, horrible, dilapidated stadium. I mean, the A's have to play there in baseball, and they talk about how the sewage comes up in the dugouts all the time, and it's awful. It's just, look, I know it's tradition, and I know, you know, they're the Oakland Raiders, but again, like you said, they've been the LA Raiders, so what if it's Las Vegas? It's four hours from, you know, LA. It's probably, you know, give or take, eight or nine hours from where they play now, but Go to a place where you're going to make money, where the team can thrive. You know, they can get, you know, that, that you know, grossness, uh, Oakland kind of uh, stigma off of them because it's not fair. The people, the fans that have been there and loyal for so long, I, I think that they would stay if they go to Las Vegas. But, Mo, you're the beat writer for the Raiders. Are your, are your followers and are your, are your people that read your column daily, are they going to stay fans or are they going to, are they going to jump ship, you know, to San Francisco 49ers because it's across the bay? Oh, that's hell no! That's not happening. They're not jumping shit to the 49ers. I'll tell you that. I mean, they'll be pissed about the team moving, but they're Raiders fans through and through. And I was just gonna touch on this that I, I've taken the pulse of a lot of my followers, and even when the whole LA thing came up, they didn't want the Raiders to leave Oakland for LA, but they said, you know, we're gonna root for our team regardless of where they go because. As you know, Raiders fans are everywhere. I followed the Raiders from New York City as a 7-, 8-year-old kid. There are Raiders fans in Vegas, in Oakland, on the East Coast, on the West Coast, in the South, in the North, in Europe, in Canada, in Hawaii. So I I think wherever the Raiders go, they'll have their following because they're just so popular. Raiders merchandise is so popular. You can also thank NWA for that, for infiltrating that into the hip-hop culture. Mm -hmm. But uh, the Raiders will have their fans and... Their fans are just, I believe their fans are just frustrated that they don't have a nice, lean, pristine home. Like, they know that their stadium is pretty much trash and there's tarp everywhere and, you know, there's sewage coming up. You know, they know that, but they love their dump. It's like, don't talk about our spot. We can talk about our spot, but you can't type of thing, you know? Mm-hmm. So it's like, it's like saying, you know, these are, these are our bums. But we'll love our bums. You don't talk about our bums, almost, you know? Yeah. But, again, the Raiders fans will, will continue to cheer for the Raiders no matter where they end up, whether it's Las Vegas, whether it's Oakland, whether it's L.A. They'll continue to have the best fan base, I believe, in the NFL. And when you spoke about the Raiders fans transferring to be 49ers fans, you, you're talking blasphemy. Like, that's like Pat Field and McCoy's right there. It's just never going to happen. That's like that's like the a Yankee fans. That's asking the Yankee fan, "Are you going to be a Red Sox fan if the Yankees move to I don't know another state, another city?" Uh, it's just 
Yeah, it's just not going to happen. The hate is just that real. You wouldn't believe it because they're in the same vicinity. You know, they're both in the Bay. Yeah. But it's it, the hate is that real. 49ers fans feel a certain way about the Raiders fans. Raiders fans call 49ers fans whiner fans, 40 whiner fans. And, you know, <laughs> they're not doing so well on top of that. They have, a, they have a road quarterback, Kaepernick, who doesn't even talk with his teammates, apparently. So, you know, the Raiders fans are having fun with this because for so long the Raiders have been down. And as you said, they're now on the come up. And I actually have them making the postseason with a 10-6 and six record. Oh. I know that's a whole different show. Mm-hmm. But, again, I'm just going to throw that in there. <laughs> the Raiders will be a playoff team in 2016. No matter where they end up in the future, they're on the come up. So I, I believe the Raiders fans are, are really happy about that. But they're also frustrated that they don't have a nice home. And they do want a nice home. They just prefer it to be in Oakland where the Oakland County officials kind of build a stadium for them to, to call home. They prefer it that way, but they say, hey, if, if Vegas is willing to have us and they'll have a nice stadium that we can go to, bro, they're all for it. Yeah, they can get, like, you know, the deal, the sweet deal that the 49ers got in Santa Clara where you're, like, an hour away from the actual city, which is <laughs> so stupid if you ask me as well. But, hey, hey, you got a nice new stadium in the middle of nowhere. But, I don't know, it's weird, it's weird. You know, reports came out today that the UFC is being sold possibly for $4 billion and that the gentlemen that own UFC, Dana White and company, uh, are doing so because they want to purchase uh, the soon-to-be hopeful Las Vegas Raiders and keep them in Vegas or help facilitate that move. And, you know, we don't know how much, uh, you know, substantial information is true about that, but that's what came out. So there's a lot of there's a lot of traction headed towards, you know, a possible Las Vegas uh, happening. We know that, you know, they've already sold enough season tickets for the, N- for the NHL that they basically already got uniforms, a team name. Uh, they're ready to go. And, you know, Adam Silver, especially with basketball, they're always, always looking for relocation. These are this is a new generation of, of commissioners and, and, and people and general managers, so we're not all, you know, we're not all scared of, of what Vegas has to offer. It's more of a family type of atmosphere now. Again, if you're looking for trouble, you're going to find it in Disney World no matter where you go. So, again, it's, it's a big business. It's a great place. It deserves a, a professional sports team. And, again, if they can get this stadium deal built possibly on the campus of unlv which if you know vegas is literally you, you land at the airport and you can you know throw a penny out the window hit unlv it's, it's a perfect opportunity you don't have to worry about uh hotel rooms uh, and so it's just again it, it, everything's in place for this to be a good move and i and i if i was a raider fan and i actually know a raider fan he said i'm getting season tickets i was like dude you live in florida he's like yeah but i'm from vegas i would go there i've been a raider fan my whole life so it seems like you know getting getting the pulse of the raiders seems like this would be a good move and I'm sure you would uh, you wouldn't mind having to go to uh, Vegas once in a while and cover a game or two. Absolutely, but it's funny. <laughs> I, it, does your friend is your friend's name Charlie by any chance? Charlie, <laughs> because I know. <laughs> like no, no, it's not Charlie. But um, if I if I knew a guy named Charlie, um, I would tell you. I mean, okay, okay, because <laughs> I I know a lot of Raider fans in Florida. As a matter of fact, and some of them are in Orlando. And if you didn't know, the Raiders are going to be playing. They're going to play the Jacksonville Jaguars and attempt. Buccaneers in back-to-back weeks. Oh, yeah. Means, yeah. Yeah, Raiders, Raiders fans are going to, in Florida, going to go crazy. Yeah, the guy I know is going to both of those games, and I was like, hey, good for you, man. You, that's that's some terrible football you're going to see back-to-back, so. But, um. Yeah, <laughs> terrible football from the from maybe the Bucks. The Bucks. I, I actually like what the Jags yeah, did, me but too. I don't think they're there yet. The Raiders are going to, I think the Raiders are going to win both those games. They should on paper, we'll, yeah. We'll see, we'll see. The funny thing about this, too, is before we go out and go to building momentum is, Las Vegas has wanted a team for a while. If you don't, if you remember, I think you 
touched on it briefly, but the Maloof brothers were flirting with Vegas and bringing the Kings to Vegas at one point. So it's not like this is a new idea of bringing a sports team to Vegas. Mm-hmm. This has been in the works for a long time. Obviously, the whole casino gambling connotation has, has held Vegas back. But now that we've pulled back the covers and we've, we've, it's become mainstream to, to bet on teams and have your fantasy team and bet money on it, Vegas is definitely in play. But uh, that's it for our open mic. We're going to pick it up with Building Momentum. We're going to talk Nats, Mets, and our favorite PED drug, Clenbuterol. That's up next. It's now time for Building Momentum. Washington Nationals pitcher Matt Scherzer threw a 20-strikeout game, and the whole MLB world went crazy. Yep. Uh, Mike Mike is probably familiar with 20-strikeout games because uh, some former Yankees threw a few of those in, in the past. There have been four occasions and three guys who've done this, but, Mike, you can fill me in on, on who those guys are because, as a Mets fan, I'd rather not utter a Yankees player's name. Wow, wow. It's, been, it's only happened four times in the history of baseball, twice by Roger Clemens, once by Kerry Wood, which actually I remember was against the Cardinals, and the last time by Randy Johnson. And the, the big thing about this is Randy Johnson and Max Scherzer have uh, another thing in common. They are the only pitchers in the history of the game to strike out 20 players and win two Cy Young awards. I mean, it's kind of hard for people that don't follow baseball religiously to to get the to grasp what 20 strikeouts is about. It is, you know, the the magnitude of it. And I was talking to, to somebody yesterday. Uh, last night and I was like you're a basketball fan think about Stephen Curry hitting 23 pointers in a game and he's like that's that's a lot of three pointers I said exactly now just just that's what Max Scherzer did last night he struck out 20 Detroit Tigers I mean it's that's insane And, and the beauty of this is that he only threw 119 pitches he threw 96 of them for strikes didn't walk didn't walk one batter and only threw 23 balls the entire game 23 balls and 20 strikeouts i mean that it's it boggles the mind how amazing of of an achievement this is and i watched the post game he was being interviewed by the guys at the mlb network and they asked him and he was really it was a cool interview and they said you know max what would you prefer a a, a no hitter which here he has two, or a 20 strikeout game. And he said, honestly, a 20 strikeout game because I understand, you know, the magnitude and the importance of what goes into that. I mean, it just doesn't happen that often. I mean, we kind of see, we see no hitters a lot more than we ever did now. So just 20 strikeouts. I mean, this is a guy that signed a seven year, $210 million contract last year. And everybody was saying, oh, that's too much money. That's crazy. And yeah, it's a lot of money. But this guy, he's. In my opinion, he's the most dominant right-handed pitcher in the National League. And I know people are going to say, oh, my God, Jake Arrieta with the Cubs. But Jake Arrieta's done it for one year, and you know, one and a half if you want to say this year. Max Scherzer has been fantastic. He was great with the Tigers. He's had, he had an amazing year last year with the Nationals. And now to do this on a team that is really, really good, I mean, hands down, just an amazing, amazing feat. And it just, it just goes to show how good the talent really is in baseball, especially these, these young pitchers. I mean, I just, you know, I gave the guy a standing ovation. It was remarkable. For, for you math majors, 20 strikeouts is approximately six and two-thirds innings worth of strikeouts. It's a lot of strikeouts, by yeah. the way. It basically, uh, everybody got up there and watched for six innings, did nothing. Just think of it that way. There's nine innings in a game. That's a lot of nothing happening, so pretty cool. Right. But what, what my sources tell me, and, I, and I've heard this on a couple of shows, is I, I believe he 
nine of his strikeouts were on three pitches only, meaning yeah. he went straight at batters. Like there were no like high pitch counts where there's a ball here, a ball there, and I think you mentioned his low balls count, but nine of his strikeouts, three pitches. Yeah, they, and he was he was just going guy after guys. Yeah, that's the thing, and, and to only throw 119 pitches, he's going at hitters. I mean, in the seventh, eighth, and ninth innings, he was literally throwing fastballs because he knew if I my pitch count gets any higher, I'm gonna get pulled. Yeah, because in this day and age of baseball, 100 pitches is kind of the magic number. Once you reach 100. You're, you're pretty much out of the game. So 119, and he was consistently throwing his fastball still in the upper 90s, 95, 96 miles an hour. So just, wow. I mean, that is, it's, it's and for people that just don't understand it, just try. It's like, it's, it's pretty, it's like a guy kicking 20 field goals in a game. It just, it doesn't happen. It just doesn't happen. So again, I'm just, I'm all for appreciating what we get to see. At least Steph Curry, Max Scherzer, whoever it is, you know, you can't knock this guy. So just, just take it in. Soak it on in. It's, it's basically the Nationals, the rich getting richer with the Nationals. And we're going to move on to uh, Bryce Harper, who had an interesting outing against the Chicago Cubs. And uh, Madden decided to walk him seven, well, I believe six or seven times. Six, him yeah. On base. And, and people are, are kind of up in arms about this because they're saying, well, why didn't you pitch to him? And basically Madden's response was, well, it worked. We won the game, right? So I, I got to go with him on that. If it, if it works... Why complain? But again, if people they come to the games, they don't they don't come to the games to see Bryce Harper walk to the base. Sure. They yeah. want to see Matt. They want to see Bryce Harper hit the ball. They want to see him run around the base. They want to see it's an event. So basically, you know, Madden basically dumbed it down and took that joy away from people going to the game. But you got to think about it. He's out there to win games. He's not out there to please the people. This reminds me kind of Red Popovich when he sits his guys. And the NBA would get on him about sitting his stars and say, well, the fans come to see the players. Why are you sitting your guys? And he goes, well, I'm coaching to win games, not to please people. This is a little different because Bryce Harper is active. He is playing, but he's not getting any action. So, I mean, I'm, I'm not, I have no problems with this. This is a guy that took the Tampa, a young franchise like the Tampa Bay Rays to the World Series. So I don't question anything that this guy does. Let it be. Bryce Harper will get his hits just now on that day. But you spoke about Bryce Harper losing his cool. I, I believe he's, he was dealt a one-game suspension yep. for mouthing off at an umpire. I mean, I would say the umpire needs to grow a thicker skin. I understand you don't want players cursing out umpires and saying certain things. There are certain buzzwords that will get you thrown out or get you suspended. But I, I don't believe it warranted a suspension, maybe a hefty fine. Yeah, I mean it's it's tough because again it was the ninth inning. He had he had struck out, so he went back to the dugout and he was mouthing off from the dugout. Now, obviously, like you said, there's certain buzzwords that you can and can't say. Obviously, he, the ump heard something, so he tossed Bryce. It's funny because then the next at bat, uh, you know, they they get a walk off hit against the Tigers, and while everybody's parading and celebrating around home plate, Bryce. Points, looks, and screams to the umpire, F you. And if you've seen the, the clip, it's pretty funny. Now, the umpire obviously didn't appreciate it, and neither did Major League Baseball. But, you know, Bryce said after the game, too, like, hey, if I'm going to get suspended, I'll pay the fine. Like he, And he was funny about it, too, because he said, well, then maybe the ump should get uh, fined, too, because it was a pretty bad call. Uh, you know, again, you don't want to – I went to a game last year in L.A., and I got I wanted to purposely see Bryce Harper because he's one of my favorite young players. And it was, that night it was him versus Clayton Kershaw, which uh, amazing – amazing uh, you know duel but for me 
Harper struck out four times because he was playing, you know, the best left-handed pitcher in all of baseball. So it was still great to see him, but it was disappointing. So I can only imagine going to a game and and Bryce Harper getting tossed or Bryce Harper spending my hard-earned money and Bryce Harper getting suspended for that game. So, you know, it's a little weird. I think MLB is trying to push back to this whole, you know, make fun, make baseball fun type of thing. But again, don't stop what you're doing, Bryce. Keep, keep it going. You know what? You're making baseball fun. You're playing well. Uh, you know, not necessarily the classiest thing to say F you to anyone, especially, you know, an umpire or someone older than you might be. But, you know, I know that the emotions sometimes get the best of us. And, uh, you know, not that that's, you know, okay at times. But it, when you're blatant call, hey, in the heat of the moment, you got to do what you got to do. Well, more money, more buckets has your back, Bryce. Yeah, we'll, we'll pay, pay the fine. No, no, no. You got your back. <laughs> I'd pay the yeah, fine. Pay, if I had the money, I'd pay, pay the fine. Fines. Yeah, mm-hmm. well, most cheap. I, yeah, listen, <laughs> he, he got welcome into more money, more yeah. That means he's got actually he's got an extra money line. He's got an extra income there. He needs to pay his own fine. He's the one making the big bucks. I'm on this radio show. I just walk people into the club, but I don't pay the bills here, okay? Yep, not yet. Not yet. Let's talk about one more Washington National because it seems to be the Washington National segment. Uh, Right-handed pitcher Steven Strasburg also has been welcomed into the Mo Money, Mo Buckets Club. $175 million guarantee paycheck over the next seven years i mean this is a lot of money but this is again 2009 this is the first overall draft pick out of san diego state uh, yes he did have a tommy john surgery a couple years ago but according to scott boris the super agent and and Strasburg himself they loved how they handled that how a couple years back when the nationals came out of nowhere to make the playoffs they didn't push him uh out to pitching which is something the Mets did last year to Matt Harvey but you know blah 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 so they appreciated that so he gave the team a little bit of a hometown discount somebody's gonna say 175 million dollars is a hometown discount well it is when you think Felix Hernandez got the same amount of money and Justin Verlander got seven years on 180 but with their incentives push it over 200 million dollars and these guys as good as they've been in the past are not on the come up which is my favorite word of the day uh as the strasburg is right now so uh great job of the nationals they pay they pay their players which is awesome i'm a little surprised they let jordan zimmerman go last year to the tigers but they you know they obviously knew that they had to pay strasburg uh, they did go out and sign you know they signed max scherzer a couple years ago and they've got some holes they need to fill obviously in in two and a half years time Bryce Harper's contract's going to be up, so that'll be interesting, especially if reports say that he's going to be a $500 million player. But, uh, but you know, congratulations to everybody that gets paid in this world. And when you're sporting, you know, uh, sporting a 3.06 career ERA, and, you know, you got, uh, what is it, 10.4 strikeouts over nine innings with only 2.2 walks per nine, mm, it's pretty impressive. You know, you definitely earn that money. So uh, congratulations to Strasburg, and anytime you come to Florida, drinks are on you. Uh, yeah, because he, <laughs> that contract, I mean, if you think about it. But quick question, do you think Kevin Durant should take notes and stick with loyalty and money over just money when it comes to making decisions in the offseason or whether he should move or not? Because Strasburg basically did something that's kind of unheard of in the sports landscape now, a player taking the money and staying where he is versus going elsewhere, yeah. taking the money and then running elsewhere with it. It's true. So I, 
It's true. You know, he, did, he did something a little different. Maybe Kevin Durant can take notes from that and, and think about his decision, especially if the Thunder win tonight. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, Strasburg has the luxury. He has two opt-out clauses. So after years three and four, he can opt out. You know, he'll still only be like, what, 33-ish. So he can get more money, more buckets. But Kevin Durant, I don't know how the situation is with him in Oklahoma City. I mean, I don't think they've treated him poorly. But hey, I could be mistaken. It, it's really just going to depend on him and Russell Westbrook, how their relationship is. Russ is signed for one more year for this year it looks like these two are getting along it looks like hey he stuck up for his man you know in the beginning of this series last round it seems like they're finally on the same page and it is working because Westbrook has finally realized I gotta concede I gotta give this guy his shots he still you know a couple years ago he was the MVP he was one of the greatest players you know to ever grace the court it seemed like and injuries you know may have sidelined him to a certain extent but if him and Westbrook can come to an agreement that hey I'm gonna stay if you stay if you know why can't they attract people to come to Oklahoma City? I get it's a small market team, but with those two and, you know, a couple other nice fill-in players that they have, this is a team that could continue to really fight the Western Conference for at least three, four more seasons. I mean, why not? Why why break up a good thing if if it's been good all along and it's not just good for, you know, this playoff run? But again, time will tell. If, if Durant jumps ship, I then also believe that Russell Westbrook jumps ship come next year as well. I can also play devil, devil's advocate here and say Strasburg can get on the phone and say, hey, KD, why don't you come over to Washington? Uh, very possible. He's from there. I yeah. mean, hey, why, why not? I mean, you know, him, they could have their own, like, uh, millionaire uh, boys club or whatever they call it. Uh, that's uh, <laughs> a lot of money in Washington these days. Your boy Kirk Cousins? Hey, I want to get an invite in this club. That's, that would be awesome. Uh, you know what club you can get invited to? What? The New York Nets club because <sighs> the New York Nets pitchers – are hitting bombs. Bartolo Colon, first home run at the age of 42, oldest player to do it, Noah Syndergaard. Baddest player to do it. Against the Dodgers. Yeah. Think about that. Who needs a DH in the NENL? <laughs> we have pitchers who smack home runs out of the park. By the way, the Mets lead the division over the Washington Nationals right now. They're 5-3. They're going to be 5-3 and three on their West Coast trip if they win tonight. I called 6-2. I was a little off on that, but I'll take the division lead. Are, are, you, are you good now? You got that out of your system? Yeah, I, I just kind of burst out of nowhere with these Mets segments. I don't know what you they do. You love about. it. You like, God, I don't know much about baseball, but the Mets are 92 and they're <laughs> like, wow. Like, yeah, you're, you're all about it. I mean, hey, hey. I, I saw that game. so salty because he can't rant about his Yankees doing so great. Well, not yet. Rant about the Mets, not yet. Okay. We're still six games under 500. We're playing better, but, yeah, we're not doing too well. Uh, yeah, the only thing, and I'm going to say, Mo, you better caution yourself. Steven Matz is going for an MRI on his elbow. Guy that's already had Tommy John surgery once. He's got a little bit of a pinch, and the same goes for Syndergaard after last night. He uh, he had a little bit of a pinch as well. They don't think it's as they don't think it's anything more than you know maybe just a couple of days of rest. But Matz, we already know, is going to be skipped in his next rotation. Uh, Logan Verrett, who's another young, talented pitcher, is going to fill in. But you just again, I I hate to hear any possible. And again, I'm, just because I'm not a Mets fan doesn't mean I want anybody to miss a start. You hate to see anybody go down or a person that's had a history of, of Tommy John or anything for that matter miss a start because this Mets team is, is going to, they're going to live and die by that, by that amazing pitching staff. I mean, Hey, they got, they're getting timely hitting. They're getting good hitting, especially from Cespedes. He's been raking. Neil Walker is, is slowed down a little bit. The injury bug is biting him. Travis Darno is still on the DL, but you know what? They're, 
they're doing their thing, and I just hope for their mm-hmm. sake that this uh, this Matt's thing isn't anything too serious. And hey, Syndergaard can hit like that, and maybe he should uh, maybe he should be playing uh, a little bit more often. Maybe, maybe left field when Conforto gets a day off or two. I mean, think about it. The guy is six six, about two forty. So That's I would believe giant. that he's got he's got some power in there in that hit. Absolutely. I mean, how about Bartolo Colon get his first home run at the age of forty two. He he's got to be everyone's favorite man at this point. I mean, the guy is the size of a of a, a plump sausage, but he he can play. So I mean, think about it. The Mets are, are doing good. Mike tried to rain on my parade a little bit with the injury news. Gotta. I understand that, but. Right now, well, let's just sit pretty in first place and enjoy that moment for the Mets because, you know, it's a long season, as Mike usually says. Absolutely. Let's hope these Mets pitchers aren't taking Clint Buterol because another player has been mm. busted. Raul Mondesi has been busted with Clint Buterol in his system. But MLB reduces his suspension from 80 to 50 games because they found out he took, I believe it's Subrox C. It was cold medicine that basically put Clint Buterol in his system. So, again, we spoke about this in the past episodes that this PED drug is everywhere. It's in your it's in your meat. If you go to Mexico and China, it's in your cough medicine. No one's safe. Mike, you might have some clenbuterol in your system as we do this show. I hope so, because I, I need some strength. <laughs> I mean, think about it. I mean, you, you, you get it. If you're sipping tea, if you're having a salad, if you're, if you're eating, it could be anywhere. And this is why I feel like MLB needs to do an extensive investigation basically on how these players ingest this drug before they hand down these hefty suspensions because any games is a long time and if you're a second offender i mean think about that you know you're going to take a dip so i mean this clenbuterol drug is everywhere mlb needs to get ahead of the curve and maybe hire their own like lawyer system have a trial to find out how these players you know ingested this drug find out before you hand down the suspension because obviously i feel like the even 50 games is too much. Yeah, this is this is stupid. I mean, this is a guy who's the son of a former, you know, a major leaguer, Raul Mondesi. I just I don't I don't get it. He's 20 years old. He's he's a he's a top he's a top prospect, and I mean number 29 in all of baseball according to Baseball America before the season started. And again, from the Dominican Republic. I mean, who knows what's in half of those medications in America, let alone let alone in other parts of the world. And if he was literally telling you he was for cold and flu symptoms, you're going to suspend him because he didn't read a, a, a label that he didn't make. He made a he made a simple mistake, uh, eating a steak or taking a clenbuterol. Like I just I just don't I don't understand. Like is is really now we're we're gonna we're gonna be judge jury and executioner because you made a simple mistake you're gonna you're not getting paid for 50 games and again 50 games 80 games it doesn't matter you're still you're still missing time and again it can't really be 80 games or 50 games it's one or the other so you're gonna tell me that it was supposed to be 80 but because he, he we realized that he didn't take it on purpose it should be 50 no it should be none it shouldn't be any games how how what what is what is the compromise there? I, I really I'm so confused by by all these governing bodies and what they're doing. There's bigger crisis in the world. You know, Brazil's got the Zika virus right now, and and all these different things that it's doing to to newborns and the potential catastrophes that it had. I heard a thing on Bomani Jones today. Uh, Mo, your favorite. You know, he was talking about how there's there's this new disease that that comes with Zika. It could attack the nervous system, and your nervous system would basically attack your internal organs until you go paralyzed. Like. Let's let's talk about that. Let's get that under control before we're worried about guys eating and ingesting something that they don't even know that they've taken. Like, oh, it just it just boggles my mind. It kind of pisses me off. It's just it's not right. 
and and you know and and it just puts it puts all of these players and their organizations in a poor light when it it really it shouldn't have to you know it, you know these guys saying oh I accept the consequence hell no you know I would take this I would take it Tom Brady style all the way to the the <laughs> Pentagon and I'd be like yo I didn't do it I'm not going out like that I'm not a punk I didn't take this on purpose like come on there's just like like it just doesn't it bothers me it doesn't make sense it really doesn't make sense. Yeah, I think baseball is a little too stringent on it. Again, they need to they need to investigate what exactly happened. Was the intent there? And if the intent obviously wasn't there. I, I wouldn't be. I, I'd be happy if they just said, "Hey, you know, you missed a couple, a handful of games." But as you said, it should be thrown out completely because again, it's not like it's not like he intentionally wanted to get an edge with PED use. He he just he was sick, obviously. And a lot of these players, they, they come over and it's like, you got to read this, you got to read the label on this, you got to make sure this is okay. I understand you're an athlete, you're responsible for all of that, but if again, if the intent is not there, just throw it out. That's it for Momentum. We'll be right back with a new old segment. We'll explain a little bit more, so stay tuned. This is The Wrap-Up. Sound bites. Who is that sexy voice? I don't know. I did not know, Mo. I wasn't you. Wasn't you, Mo? But anyway, yeah, that, that person had a different, different accent than I. Than I normally yes, so it definitely wasn't me. Yes, he definitely did. Anyway, you hear that? Athlete sound bites. A new twist on our wrap up and we're only not going to do this all the time but when there's a week where there's just some great, fantastic, ridiculous thing that, that athletes have said. We want to let you hear it. So a couple of them, we actually have the actual clip that we'll play. And a couple of them, Mo and I are just going to read and let you know how well we read. So here we go. This is going to be the first one. This is Mr. Draymond Green. Do I think they're done? Of course I think they're done. If I don't think they're done, then I don't know who else is going to think it. Yep. Draymond is so disrespectful on that one. <laughs> I mean, how could, how could you disrespect... Dame Dallas, Damian Lillard. I understand you want to invoke confidence. Draymond Green is the he's the personality on the on the Warriors. So if anyone was gonna say this, it would be him. We all want to hear players give respect to their opponent their opponent. But obviously Draymond Green was being honest and he said they're done. Obviously he was right because the Portland Trailblazers are done. So you can't crush him for that. He was he was he was spot on on that one, but I guarantee he won't use that language or say that phrase against the OKC Thunder or the San Antonio Spurs next round. Draymond Green has lost it for me in, in terms of credibility when he was drunk last year at the parade for the uh, finals. We not here, LeBron. We gonna win, LeBron. Like, dude, shut up. I, I remember how, how like, uncomfortable Klay Thompson was when, when Draymond was going off. It was the best thing I've ever seen. But funny, 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 funny. The next one we have is T-Mac talking about Steph Curry. For him to be that first player to get this unanimously, I think uh, it just tells you the, how down our league is. You think so? Yeah, I, seriously, because you think about when MJ played, Shaq. I mean, those guys really played against top-notch competition, more superstars, I think, on uh, more teams uh, than it is in our league today. But it's well-deserved, I mean, because he had a hell of a season. He's <laughs> breaking records. He's rewriting the record book. So, I mean... So it's well deserved, but it's not really deserved. Is that what he's saying, Mo? Yeah, basically he threw shade and then he took the shade back and tried to put some sun. Uh, Already, you're not fooling anyone. 
he threw Curry under the bus there. Basically said, you know, he he's doing it in a in a lesser comp- competitive league. I believe Rachel Nichols took him out of his game a little bit there. Yeah. But um, lady, you need to walk that back even further. You sound like Goose Gossage. <laughs> don't don't be old, retired NBA player. Just don't do it. Uh, yeah, this guy's just ridiculous, ridiculous. But uh, it's funny because this is what this is what it's all about. It's just sports people talking nonsense, and we getting to listen to it. So next up is my favorite clip. It was from a Vice, uh, the show, I think it's on, I think I want to say it's on HBO, it's Vice, when they were interviewing Mr. J.R. Smith about the mecca of basketball, New York. Every person that plays in the NBA should experience playing in New York at least once in their career. To play at the mecca of basketball at the Garden every night is probably the, uh, the greatest decision I've ever made to go to New York. So, um, do you agree, Mo? It definitely, he's, he's saying... MSU was the mecca of basketball, and he enjoyed playing there only because Carmelo Anthony let him jack up all those shots. <laughs> he doesn't get as many shots in Cleveland next to LeBron, Kyrie Irving, Kevin Love. So, of course, he loved it in New York with Carmelo Anthony. Uh-huh. The guy was able to jack up so, so many shots and be a knucklehead and tying shoes. Of course, he's going to love it at MSG. We, we, we kind of miss you, JR, because we, we don't have any scores, no. but... Uh, we understand you miss us. Absolutely. I love it. I said that last week. Everybody should want to play at New York, and it's nice to see you know an actual player say that, not just me. But, uh, hey, maybe he's right, maybe he's wrong. Regardless, he played there, had a, had a great career, won sixth man of the year uh, for the Knicks that year. So there it is. Next, we've got Jeff T. on if he'll be a member of the Atlanta Hawks next season, and his reply was, yeah, I've been here my whole career. Why wouldn't I? Basically, he's saying, you're asking me a stupid question. Don't ask me the question again because I'm not really going to answer it truthfully. And I'm going to slap you. Yeah, I like that. I like that. It's being yeah. real. It's being real. Next is um, Cardell Jones on Rex Ryan. And he said, he might be my long lost dad. I've been looking for that guy for 23 years. I found him. You know what? Cardell Jones and Rex Ryan deserve each other because <laughs> Rex Ryan is out there. Cardell Jones is out there. Remember, this is the guy that said, we come to college to play football. We don't come to play school. Yeah. So I think his meatheadedness, along with Rex Ryan's meatheadedness, fit in Buffalo. I actually think Cardell Jones in Buffalo is a good thing for him because he fits in with Rex Ryan and what he wants. That's an interesting team. It really is. Next, we should get like a buzzer for like a Bryce How- uh, Bryce Harper uh, mention because it seems like he's all over this show. We should actually get him to sponsor this show. But anyway, uh, Yasiel Puig said to ESPN the magazine that Bryce Harper is my idol now. I'm going to join him in the Make Baseball Fun Again campaign. I'm just waiting to get my shirts and baseball caps. He's always been a great friend and a great athlete, and I admire him. I like how he plays the game, and I think he gets it. I get it. Do you get it, Mo? I get it. Yasiel Puig is actually an ambassador. Think about this. Love it. Jerry Goff says something negative about him on Twitter, and he's Yasiel Puig's like, Puig's your friend. I'm here to be your friend. Let bygones be bygones, and we're cool. Then he's joining the Bryce Harper Make Baseball Fun Again campaign, which I think is great because it makes baseball enjoyable for the younger fans. Mm-hmm. And he understands that players need to be players. Let's, you know, let your hair down a little bit. You know, unbuckle your belt. Not like Powerball Sandoval did, no, but, please. you know, kind of relax. You know, let everything down and, and be fun, be joyful, and, and enjoy the game. Let's not, let's not stop being crotchety old people about MLB. Point well taken. Nothing else to say. Moving on is uh, Tom Brady. And when he's not doing ridiculous James Bond-like mattress commercials, if you haven't seen it, Google it, uh, he's talking about concussions. And he says, it's just part of life. You know, not only football, but contact sports. It's part of people walking down the street. 
You run, you fall, you hit your head. There's a lot of sports that are involved, but I think it's good there's more awareness than there's been in the past. Women's soccer and cycling, water polo, there's a lot of sports. What the hell is he talking about? Yeah, I lost you, like, after the second line. I'm like, where is Bray going with this? This is one of the most existential conversations. Yeah. I think it's going to go one direction. He just takes it into left field. Maybe Brady had a concussion before he answered this, because he he answered this pretty incoherently. I don't know where he went with it, but Simon Brady, we hope you're well. The New England Patriots have a better offensive line for you. You got a weapon in Martellus Bennett. Hopefully you won't get hit. Mm Mm-hmm provide any more incoherent answers like this yeah so basically anybody that walks through life should wear a helmet because you're going to get a concussion if you walk on the street what the hell moving on eli manning on the new eli in new york he says never really cared about other people's names i don't know what we'll do we'll figure it out i have seniority so maybe we'll call him ea or apple maybe i don't know you know what call me alicia switch to my official name i don't know I didn't know his name was Alicia. You know what? Alicia sounds like, and I hate to be racial here, but that could be the black Eli Manning. I know (laughs) Eli Apple's mom calling the black Eli Manning. Maybe Eli Manning is his own black Eli Manning with the name Alicia. I don't know. It kind of has a ring to it. If he he prefers to be called Alicia, cool with me. I I don't know if you saw Eli Manning's salsa dance, but it doesn't have the rhythm. So I don't know about that Alicia. Maybe we'll just call him E. I think Eli should stick to those DirecTV commercials and leave the, the improv speaking to his brother. Oh, my goodness. And the final one is the newly paid, newly minted man of Mo Money Mo Buckets, Brock Eisweiler, on learning the Houston Texans offense. He says, you know, it's fun. It's hard to judge that progress because we haven't hit the practice field and gone against the defense. It's like if you speak Spanish your whole life and then they tell you to go learn French and do it in front of 75,000 people. What? Uh, yeah, Brock Osweiler, another guy who's probably been hit a lot of times. That that offensive line wasn't good last year. But, I mean, look at the bright side. He has time to pick this up. And, you know, if you ever learn Spanish, Spanish is very easy to pick up. If you ever learn French, a little bit harder. But you can also, you know, hire a tutor. You know, hire someone to help you out. Get a friend. Get a buddy. And learn that offense because the Texans will need you. This is why people say bad things about athletes and their, like, mental intelligence because people say things like this, and that's why we're doing this segment because we need to bring awareness to the athletes that say these ridiculous things because of all the, of everything that we just played, the smartest man was J.R. Smith. Mm-hmm. Let that, that, that says a lot. Yeah, J.R. Smith is your smartest quote. Mm-hmm. That's, let that yeah. sink in real quick. L- yeah. Yeah, yeah that's, that's not good, people. We're in trouble, America. We are in trouble. <laughs> J.R. Smith is, is your new <laughs> Rhodes Scholar, people. So just put that note in your notebook when you're watching the NBA Finals when he's there against the Golden State Warriors. Ooh. He is the smartest guy in the room, possibly. He really, really is. Well, before we wrap up, I'm just going to throw it to Mo. Mo, any final uh, parting shots? Anything you want to get off your chest? Uh, People, when you go out to the supermarket, please read the label on your foods. Mm-hmm. You might be ingesting clenbuterol or some type of PED drug, yeah. or you, know, you might test positive for something. And when you pick up that meat, that chicken, that turkey, even if you're picking up some Swiss rolls, you want to get some fruit, some watermelon, pineapples, popcorn, anything, please, please, I beg you, read the label. Because there's a lot of stuff going on in our foods, and we need to be aware of it. Yeah, great advice. And uh, my parting shot for the day is before you book that trip to rio for the summer olympics do a little research make sure it's really worth it because uh god forbid the secret thing is serious what happens if a couple hundred thousand people go to brazil 
go back to their part of the country, contract the virus, and now we've got an outbreak. We've got a Michael Crichton novel. We've got Walking Dead Part Two. We've got we've got a plague on our on our hands, people. So you know, let's not to take it you know lightly, but this is something that could potentially turn into something serious. So you know, we, there needs to be more more light shed on this. And you know, I'm all for moving the Olympics if we need be. That is it. Episode thirteen. Lucky 13. I, sh- I told you, Ma. I told you it was going to be lucky. But You're right. I know. I know I'm right. I'm usually right. But this time, next week, we will be in the conference finals getting ready. Getting ready for the finals. And, of course, will baseball will be in full swing. There will probably be a couple more ridiculous things we'll talk about, especially when it comes to athlete sound bites. But, of course, go to Facebook, Mike and Mo Show. Click the link, click the like. We're almost over, uh, what is it now, 5,000, which is going fantastic. But, of course, go to iTunes, share the show, rate the show, listen to the show. And, of course, you can get it on iTunes anytime. And, of course, at mentalitymedia.com slash Mike and Mo Show. As always, it's been a treat. Mo, you're the best. Keep it up. And, everybody, read his uh, read his pieces on Fansided. They're, they're informal and fun, as always. Also, real quick. Thunder game tonight, Spurs game tonight. I, I got my money on the Spurs right after. Me and J.R. Smith will have a book study. So that's going on <laughs> after the Spurs game if you're interested. I like that. And me and Steven Strasburg are going to go drink uh, Jägermeister and headbutt some people. So it should be a good time. <laughs> of course, we'll talk to you next week. Until then, I'm Mike Kizmo. Have a lovely week. Take care, everybody. Peace.